MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello. And welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Today, we get the first Senate hearing about the insurrection. A judge bench slaps Jacob Wool. The man who gouged out a cop's eye in the Capitol riots is arrested. We're getting more information on the makeup of the Insurrection Commission. Purdue announces he will not run against Warnock in 2022. And Cuomo's approval rating drops six points amidst the nursing home scandal. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. So I just want to open up by saying that, like, all my love and positivity is going out to Tiger Woods and his family right now. He was in a one-car car crash, pretty serious. He's got compound leg fractures in both legs. He is in... Um, he's not in critical condition. He's not got a life-threatening uh, issues or anything like that, but he's in surgery right now for his legs. So yeah. I just wanted to... I echo that as well. ...say our thoughts go out to his family. Um a lot of news today. Uh, that hearing was disturbing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. With I actually uh, got to talk to Kyle Cheney. He's the congressional reporter for Politico, and he wrote a piece about the hearings that went on um, today with you know regards to the police response and and the slow rollout of the National Guard. That's it's going to be a really interesting discussion with him. And then uh, Dana, you and me, Thursday, 5 Pacific on the stereo app. That should be fun. Always is. Yep. And uh, we'll have to come up with a theme. If you have an idea for a theme, you can send it to us uh, at um, go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and just do a general thing and tell us what you think our theme should be uh, this Thursday. And that's download the stereo app for free. Follow Dana. Follow me. And uh, we'll have a good time. It's a party. It's a party. I'm going to wear a hat. You won't know that, but I'm going to have a party hat on. (laughs) It's a no pants party. So, yeah. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I've been doing that the whole time. Okay, moving on, moving on. Uh, we do have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the headlines. Let's do it with the hot notes. Hot notes. So lead story today is the insurrection hearing in front of a joint Senate committee, which included the Senate Rules Committee and the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. Uh, like I said, I'll be speaking with political reporter Kyle Cheney about that hearing a little later in the show. Standout moment for me was Ron Johnson today. Russia Ron Johnson continuing to do Putin's work by spreading disinformation into the Senate record, stating the siege was jovial. <laughs> Um, he read from an article saying that it was a false flag operation and that the rioters were Antifa and not Trump supporters or white supremacists. And as that was happening, news broke that one of the insurrectionists that was arrested had posted videos saying it was not Antifa. Don't give credit to Antifa. It was all us. We're Trump supporters and we're white supremacists. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but <laughs> so that was interesting as he was festive. doing that. Festive. Very festive. Festive. Yeah. Unbelievable. Festive. I mean, you know, AG, yeah, my birthday is in April. I'm going to be 40 something and be 40 something. Um, I'm not going to have a pandemic party. I'm just going to have an insurrection. Apparently they're jovial and very festive. Oh, cool. All right. Well, uh, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't really know what to say to that. Some, all, not all the jokes land. Okay. Let's keep going. I'll bring a gallop. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> To your jovial festival, your oh, jovial festivist. And uh, this just in, breaking news. Um, we have uh, reports that Zip Tie Guy has been 
charged with information. It's called an information charge. We've talked about this a lot on the show. It's a misdemeanor count, like one or two misdemeanor counts, very low counts. Uh, And that is indicative of one of two things. Either he is prepping to cooperate Mm -hmm. with authorities. And as we know, we've talked to a lot of former uh, federal prosecutors, Ellie Honig, et cetera, Renato Mariotti, who say, you know, when you cooperate, you cooperate to get not like somebody else that was at the insurrection, but somebody higher up. So we'll see what that goes. The other thing could be that they're just deciding not to prosecute him because he's a veteran and a white guy. But I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) I'm hoping I'm hoping the information charge means that we will be getting a plea agreement out of zip tie guy. And. The man known as the Eye Gouger has been detained for his role in the siege from four New York News, a retired NYPD officer Goodness. who had been assigned for a time to work perimeter security at City Hall and at Gracie Mansion, that's the mayor's official residence, has been accused of using a pipe to attack U.S. Capitol officers during the siege. Law enforcement officials with knowledge of the case uh, have told this information to News 4 on Tuesday. Thomas Webster surrendered to the FBI's Hudson Valley office Monday to face charges in the ongoing investigation. A day later, in White Plains Federal Court, his lawyer, James Monroe, okay, described Webster as a family man who spent his 54 years living in New York, raising his three kids with his wife, apart from time served in the Marines. He was dishonorably discharged, but has had no prior arrests. Hmm. According to Monroe, who argued Webster was not a danger or a flight risk, uh, he gouged out a cop's eye. Okay. With a pu- mm-hmm. <clears throat> Now, Webster did go to the U.S. Capitol to participate in a protest that January day, but was not part of any group or organization. Monroe said his client, who spent 20 years, 20 years with the NYPD before retiring, went to D.C. to protest in an event at the behest of the former president of the United States. So yet another insurrectionist saying that Trump incited the riot. The FBI has released an image, had released an image, and later identified by law enforcement officials as Webster as part of their ongoing investigation. And when Webster learned his image had been circulated on social media, he went to Monroe, his lawyer, who told him the best course was to surrender in a show of good faith. Now, nearing two months after the siege, the FBI continues to make arrests throughout the country. Since the violent riot, a number of tri-state residents have been arrested and charged with various crimes in connection with the deadly event, including a New York City sanitation worker, the brother of a retired NYPD officer, an MTA worker, and an Upper West Side community leader. So, again, we've talked about the infiltration of white supremacists in, in everyday life. All facets. They are in our workplaces. They are the person in the cubicle next to us. They are your fellow police officers. It is a little bit frightening how deep this goes. Um, AG, this next story is also coming from New York. Uh, it seems New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, his, is, as we know, he's a Democrat. His approval rating has fallen six points amid reports his office concealed data relating to coronavirus outbreaks in nursing homes, though it remains higher than before the pandemic began, which is really interesting. Um, 57% of New Yorkers approve of Cuomo's performance, while 38% disapprove, a number that has risen five points in the last 10 days, according to Morning Consult poll. Uh, that's, That's a poll that was released Monday. So Cuomo's critics have hit him repeatedly on his handling of a nursing home outbreak um, and and uh, a January 28th report issued by Attorney General Letitia James, also a Democrat, uh, her office outlined systemic undercounting of deaths. 
So I think we've all heard the story by now. Um, however, this did not translate to a substantial drop in approvals before mid-February when the New York Post reported a Cuomo aide told lawmakers the governor's office withheld data to prevent it from being, quote, used against us by the Trump administration. So the governor still has the support of 81 percent of Democrats in the poll. However, the portion of Democrats who say they strongly approve of his performance has dropped by nine points since January. So that's only 33 percent. So 42% of independents polled approve of Cuomo compared to 49% who disapprove. Uh, this is the first time a plurality of independents have disproved um, since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, everyone was very happy with his job up until this. Cuomo has said, at least the majority, I should say, Cuomo has said he will seek a third term as governor, has declined to directly apologize, saying that only that the withholding of data created a, quote, void that failed people in that moment. So listen, I I don't necessarily agree with the way uh, Andrews handled this. I think some of his statements are, have been a little bit... Um, not forthcoming mm. and from what other people have said he's been a little bit prickly a little bristly a little bristly a little prickly a little <laughs> bristly in that special when people have wanted to talk to him so yeah we'll see what happens with that story mm. yeah meanwhile i mean we could report for hours on the terrible things that republican <laughs> governors are doing as well yeah. but definitely needed to get this story out there and uh hard right hoaxers jacob wool and jack berkman caught with their flies down again. They wanted to pause a civil suit, a civil <laughs> lawsuit, accusing them of violating the Ku Klux Klan Act through robocalls targeting black voters until their criminal cases over the same conduct had ended. So Jacob and Jack were like, hey, can you pause this civil lawsuit while we face these federal criminal charges? Uh, a federal judge shot that down on Monday, finding that such an indefinite delay could harm the integrity of future elections. Quote, it is important to note that our elections occur periodically, U.S. District Judge Victor Marrero wrote in a 14-page ruling on Monday. He went on to say, by the time defendants' criminal proceedings have concluded, countless elections may have taken place. <laughs> <laughs> the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, which brought a lawsuit in Manhattan federal court against the alleged fraudsters in late October, I think we can drop the alleged, Yeah. Uh, asked for the temporary uh, for a temporary restraining order in a lawsuit accusing Wool and Berkman of violating the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. In October, Judge Marrero found those claims likely to prevail in a decision blasting the men's campaign of electoral terror, quote unquote. The right to vote embodies the very essence of democracy, the judge wrote last year, this last year. Absent uh, free and fair elections, uninfluenced by fear, the underpinnings of democratic rule would crumble. The United States Constitution, as enforced by Congress and the courts, enshrines these principles. The judge made the parallels between the KKK's racist campaigns and those he found the hoaxers likely engaged in explicit in his ruling. He says, quote, in the current version of events, Berkman and Wool used to intimidate voters, though born of fear and similarly powered by hate, are not guns, torches, burning crosses or other dire methods perpetrated under the cover of white hoods. Uh, rather, Berkman and Wall carry out electoral terror using telephones, computers, and modern technology adapted to serve the same deleterious ends. Wow, that is powerful. Mm. As a result of that ruling, Wall and Berkman were forced to send out a new round of robocalls informing the recipients of their original shitty messages that a federal judge found them discriminatory and illegal. The men tried to argue that the order interfered with their rights to a fair trial on criminal charges brought by prosecutors in Ohio and Michigan based on the same messages. 
Wollen Berkman's attorney, David Schwartz, from the firm Gertzman Schwartz, told Law & Crime that his clients intend to appeal the decision. Of course they do. They appeal all the decisions, uh, but they are guilty as fuck. They have been for a very long time. <laughs> uh, what? A, I mean, uh, just a, a couple of pieces of garbage that those, those I want to call them boys, those boys are. My yeah. goodness. And, and a reminder, they would call, the, they would target black communities and make these robocalls saying, if you vote, they'll know who you are. They'll arrest you if you have outstanding warrants, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it just it intimidated them. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this next one is a good news story, I believe. Democrats have drafted a plan for the formation of an insurrection commission designed to investigate what led to the January 6th Capitol insurrection. So a senior Democrat aide, excuse me, a senior Democratic aide involved in the negotiations described the plan as a discussion draft to begin the process of crafting the legislation that will be used to form the group. Now, according to the aide, the drafts call for a commission of 11 members outside of government that will be appointed by the congressional leaders and the White House. The quote-unquote big four leaders in the Congress would each get to appoint two members, while the president would appoint three members, including the chair. So based on the current leadership, makeup of Democrats would choose seven of the commission members and Republicans would pick four which I do believe is a good thing in our favor. The commissioners would be tasked with filing the report by the end of 2021. The commission would end 60 days after the report had been issued. This draft is just the beginning of the negotiations, though. Republicans will likely offer a counterproposal before the legislation is ultimately drafted. Of course they're going to counter it. Yeah, I imagine they'll come back and say, no, we want seven and you get four and we'll end up with... We'll end up with uh, six and five. Right. <laughs> probably what uh, will end up happening. Because Democrats need to fight more. Mm. Uh, I don't mean I don't mean dirty. I just mean fight. Ugh. You, I, I saw you echoing um, David's tweet. David, was it David's tweets on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, David Weissman's like, yes. why don't, why do Dems keep rolling over? Why don't they fight? And I'm like, ah, welcome, welcome to, to the, the other part <laughs> yeah. of being, <laughs> being a Democrat. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh goodness, it's infuriating. <laughs> It really is. It really is. Uh, In other news, despite filing for a Senate run against Reverend Warnock just a week ago, former Senator Perdue, uh, who lost to John Ossoff in the January 5th runoff, has decided to back out of the race. I guess he looked at the numbers, didn't realize that uh, (laughs) Warnock beat Loeffler by a bigger margin than Ossoff beat Perdue. (laughs) So he was like, oh, maybe Maybe that's not the best idea. Maybe he got an insider tip that he was going to lose and decided not to <laughs> buy that stock. <laughs> yeah, insider uh, politicking. Hey. Warnock uh, responded, quote, I'm prepared to defeat whatever Republican they come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> whatever one they come up with. Whatever one. Whatever one you want to throw in there. I have no doubt that he will, too. He had a very strong showing in that election, a very mm-hmm. strong showing. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing to watch. And I remember going to bed so happy that night Me and then too. waking up to January 6th. Yeah. Uh, speaking of January 6th, we're going to be right back with Politico's Kyle Cheney about the conflicting testimony in today's Senate hearing on the insurrection. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of the Daily Beans Podcast is brought to you by Nebbia. To me, the best way to get my day started right is with a really good morning shower. I get a good hot steam going, gets me in gear. 
I get some of my best ideas when I'm in the shower. I love it. It's my quiet time. And that's why I'm stoked to tell you about Nebbia. They want to empower your shower. Backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook. It's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that saves water and is anything but ordinary. The Nebbia takes your shower to a whole new level. It's like a steam room combined with an invigorating shower. After a Nebbia shower, I feel relaxed and reinvigorated and recharged. It's like I took a spa day. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet, with twice the coverage and half the water usage of standard shower heads. Despite using 45% less water, its spray is 81% more powerful than the competition. Nebbia's atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest, longest hair, and it can be easily installed in 15 minutes or less without the need for contractors or plumbers or whatever. You can change a light bulb, you can change your shower head. You can install Nebbia by Moen. Nebbia balances functionality with a clean aesthetic to achieve a beautiful design too. It's got four premium finishes to complement any bathroom. They have white and chrome, spot resistant nickel, which is what I have. They have matte black and black and chrome as well. They also offer accessories like shower shelves and shower curtains, which pair perfectly with the shower's design. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $1.99. And for Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal. The first 100 people to use code BEANS at Nebbia.com will get 15% off site-wide. Nebbia rarely does deals like this, so it's a great deal to jump on. Go to Nebbia.com slash beans. That's Nebbia, N-E-B-I-A dot com slash beans to check out what they have to offer. The first 100 people to use the code BEANS when checking out will save 15%. Again, that's Nebbia.com slash beans and use the code BEANS to save 15%. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today is Congress reporter for Politico, who has a byline today with Andrew Desiderio about the Joint Senate Committee hearing on the insurrection. Please welcome Kyle Cheney. Kyle, thanks for speaking with me today. Good to be with you, Allison. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your reporting here for Politico. And according to that and the testimony we heard today, there were a lot of conflicting and confusing accounts about what happened, especially during that 115 minutes everyone's wondering about. But All four top officials responsible for security during the insurrection seem to agree on two key points. Can you tell us, first of all, who testified today and and what those two key points of agreement are? Sure. So the the officials who testified were basically the four people most responsible for security on the ground security on January 6th. So it was the former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, uh, the former House and Senate Sergeant at Arms. All three of those men resigned or were pushed out after the insurrection. Um, and then you had the uh, acting chief of the DC police, Robert Conti, who is still on the job. Um, but they, the four of them uh, all had varying degrees of responsibility for the response that day and the planning for it. Uh, and they all agreed that while they share some culpability in the events of that day, uh, they feel like the blame really lies with uh, two other entities that were not represented today, the Pentagon for slow walking the activation of National Guard troops and the intelligence community for not adequately warning them of the degree of violence they should expect on the 6th. And that was a consistent refrain all day. Hmm. And that's something that confused me about the testimony is that they didn't see intelligence warning of the insurrection. And I mean, we all kind of knew it was being publicly reported. Can you talk about that piece of their testimony specifically? Because, well, I mean, I know that they kept saying it over and over again, but uh, I was hoping there would be some sort of a drill down on that specifically. And we and we didn't quite seem to get it. Yeah, I, I think the, the clearest answer we got on that was this. There were previous rallies, Trump uh, 
related rallies in DC uh, in November and December. And in both cases, they were given similar warnings that there were going to be there were going to be violent elements in the crowd. And in both of those cases, there were uh, violent elements in the crowd, but they were relatively small scale and containable based on the practices that they've always employed. You know, DC police and, and Capitol Police are used to pretty big rallies and protests where you have some skirmishes and outbreaks of violence, um, not a coordinated assault on the Capitol uh, with sort of military style tactics. And that's what the D that's what Stephen Sun, the former DC police chief, or sorry, the Capitol police chief said was, yes, we were ready for violence. No, we were not ready for that degree of sophistication and concerted coordinated violence. Hmm, that just seems odd. Um... But regarding the other thing that they all seem to agree on, that the Pentagon slow walked the response, I've been focusing on somebody named Lieutenant General Pyatt for a while now. Uh, and can you tell us what the testimony uh, was about Pyatt today? Yeah, we're going to have to hear from this guy because he is being sort of cast as the villain here by these four uh, officials, essentially. Um, they basically said that at around 2.30ish or a little before 2.30ish on January 6th. Now we're talking almost two hours into the insurrection. You know, members of Congress have been evacuated. Vice President Pence has been evacuated. People are fear afraid for their lives. Um, they had a conference call with the Pentagon saying, and, and Sund, the former the Capitol Police Chief, is on the call saying, get me help now. We are desperate here. We, we are overmatched. Uh, we don't know how bad this is going to get. And you have this sort of clinical response. The way they described it was sort of, hmm, you know, you have to explain this a little more, justify it. And what 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 uh, the D.C. police chief who was on the call, Conte, said uh, seemed like a check-the-box exercise. Like they were asking very uh, formulaically what you need and why justify it. And that Pyatt, who you mentioned, said he was uncomfortable with the optics of armed National Guardsmen at the Capitol and was going to recommend against uh, that request. Um, ultimately, he didn't recommend against it, but did say he was going to you know, raise these concerns with his superiors. Um, and that's where they left it. It took two hours at least for uh, National Guardsmen to be activated uh, to the Capitol after that. Yeah. And something that stood out to me was that Sund testified that Irving said two days before the insurrection, January 4th, I believe, that he also did not like the optics of sending the National Guard. That's the same sort of language that was used by Pyatt. Mm -hmm. But now Irving denies he ever said that at all. And so I know they're waiting for phone records. I think somebody was requesting phone records to see when calls were made. Well, obviously, the, co the contents of those calls is not going to be available. Right. And, and now Irving, and, and they didn't really, again, the senators didn't really drill down on this enough. But the, Irving said that, you know, there may have been a, the word optics may have been used, but it was never in the, in the same, it wasn't the same context as what Pyatt was saying. He said his security and safety was always uh, top of mind for him, even on January 4th. And that so any discussion, even if that word were used, would have only been about, does the intelligence support the deployment of National Guard uh, troops uh, you know, it is a part of the advanced planning. Um, and so that was the discrepancy. No one really asked Sun, you know, why did you think it was about op that Irving wanted this to be about optics when he claims that was never really the intent of his comment? Yeah. And it wouldn't really stand to reason that had Irving said that on January 4th, 
he wouldn't also to be able to maintain that they had no intelligence about the attack. Right. And, and I think what, what he said, what they all said was they left that meeting on the fourth thinking everyone was on the same page about the response that they all agreed that they had enough, uh, you know, support available to them uh, and contingency plans in place. So, so they didn't, it wasn't like they left that meeting and said, we're all on different pages here. No, they were all in agreement at that point. And did they, um, were they able to get any answers about who sent the FBI memo and, and where, like where the buck stopped on that FBI memo? Cause I, I felt like that was a little convoluted. It was a little convoluted. It's, it's still not totally clear, but essentially, I don't, I don't know who at the FBI it was, but someone at the FBI sent a uh, intelligence assessment or intelli- raw intelligence actually is how they characterize it uh, about some social media posts suggesting that people were going to that January 6th rally prepared for a war, I think was the words they use, and and really threatening uh, violence or a bloody kind of a day. And this was sent the night before uh, by the FBI to a Capitol Police unit, intelligence unit um, that received it and did not send it up the chain. Uh, apparently, uh, the D.C. police also received it by email, and we heard Chief Conte say if they really thought this was that big of a deal uh, and not just sort of some uncorroborated raw intelligence, maybe they would have picked up the phone, you know, or, or got made sure they, they talked to somebody because we didn't see it until, you know, it was too late to act on it, and, and they may not have acted on it anyway because it was raw intelligence. Yeah, I imagine they would bring in somebody from the FBI, whoever that was, mm-hmm. to to testify to. I would really like to ask them some questions, uh, not to mention all the way up the chain to Chris Ray to find out, hey, have you had this intelligence? Why wasn't it, you know, why weren't you at that meeting on January 4th, <laughs> you know, to, to discuss this? So when everybody did said they walked out on the same page, they actually were would be on the same or would have been on the same page. Now, I have a uh, question about the major conflict of the day, the major conflicting testimony, but I need to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans, and this segment of the pod is brought to you by Helix Sleep. There is nobody on the planet like you, and no one sleeps like you, so why would you buy a mattress built for everyone else? Helix understands you're unique, and they customize your mattress to fit you and the way you sleep best. We all have trouble sleeping from time to time. I haven't slept well for the past four years. I thought it was just because of who was in the White House. But I was not sleeping on a mattress made and designed for me, and that's why Helix rocks. I found Helix Sleep. They created a sleep quiz online that takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. It's like a mattress that's... Uh, like customized and so if you like a, a bed that's firm or if you like a really plush mattress or if you sleep on your side or your belly or your stomach or your back or if you sleep really hot with Helix there is a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side so it's perfect for me but you don't have to take my word for it Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and then again in 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine so just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up if you don't love it, but you will love it. Uh, and Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, we're talking to Congress reporter from Politico, Kyle Cheney, about the testimony we heard today in the joint Senate committee, right? The Rules and uh, Homeland Security committee uh, committees were were joint today. 
Uh, and these were the four top officials uh, who were responsible for on-the-ground security that were testifying. And the major conflict came, and I listened to this several times. It came, and I, I read it in the, there was some New York Times reporting out on this yesterday as well. The main conflict came when Sund testified he called Irving at 109, requesting National Guard deployment. But Irving says he didn't get a call until 128, and it wasn't a request. It was just like, stand by, I might make a request. And so Irving said, so I stood by and, and didn't hear anything again until later. And I was, it strikes me as it, it this whole thing seems like it's sunned against the world. And I'm wondering sort of what your th- thoughts were on that major conflict and, and why I, I felt like they didn't stay on that they long enough to, to resolve it. So, so it, it, it... It was maybe the news, newsiest part beyond the, the, the description of how the Pentagon reacted, where they all agreed. This discrepancy between two of the four, of the four participants uh, in today's hearing was maybe the most important aspect of things. Sun, you know, to your point, Sun strikes me as kind of a Comey-like figure in this, where he he generates a uh, uh, outrage on all on all sides, and and you know, but but really believes in the righteousness of his actions. Um, and I, I think. Uh, one thing is clear, Sund has an issue with his timeline because there is, you can look at the session, the House session that day, Paul Irving says, I was on the House floor at 109, not taking a call from Chief Sund. Well, that's true. It's there. It's on the C-SPAN footage. Uh, you can see Irving on the House floor at 109, um, right as the joint session of Congress got underway that day. And so there's something off about Sun's timeline, and no one really asked him how to reconcile that. I don't even think the senators knew that that footage was there. So they, no one said, hey, but he was on the floor. You can see it. Um, and so we don't know really how Sun would reconcile that. Yeah, I mean, unless he had was had a cell phone and called him on his cell phone on the floor. But there was it's not even the video, right? It, it's not in the video. Now, the, the camera doesn't stay on Irving the whole time. And who knows if he got a call and glanced at it and didn't take it or but but again, he, you know, now Irving says he has no record of this call, uh, period, which so that some senators asked, hey, show us your phone records and we can really get verify this. But bottom line is if Irving's on the floor at 109, he's not taking a call. You're not allowed, you're allowed to use, uh, you know, have an active cell phone call on the floor. You would get thrown out of the chamber. Right, um, right, exactly. He's the one who enforces that rule, actually. So um, I would tend to believe that he wouldn't take a call on, on the House floor. Except for Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz can use his phone. Uh, on the Senate yeah. floor to look up. As long as we get to see his text. Priceline. Uh, he's yeah. on Priceline. Uh, something else that that came out of that particular timeline, uh, and it came out today, it was also reported in that New York Times reporting, was that Pelosi uh, approved deployment as soon as she was asked. And Republicans have been blaming the delay on her. So I think maybe that was put to bed today. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, they didn't drill down too hard in that, but the, but in the run-up to the hearing and in some of the testimony, they acknowledged that, you know, Pelosi was informed about the need for National Guard deployment around 140-ish. Uh, and apparently, as soon as she was informed, she said yes. And then they had to coordinate a little bit with Mitch McConnell, who was also on board. Um, but this there's been this sort of budding narrative uh, from some Republicans that Oh, well, Pelosi was responsible for capital security. Therefore, this must be on her somehow. Let's get to the bottom of it. Well, now, as more details come out, it seems like you know she reacted quickly based once she was informed of what they needed, which needed to be informed of. There will be more questions about that, I'm sure. Um, but right now, the evidence suggests that that this was not a Pelosi problem or a McConnell problem. Really, he was a 
problem at the security level of the officials we're talking about. Yeah. So if Sun's timeline is right, which it doesn't seem like it is, then that would have meant that Irving waited 30 minutes to go and talk to Pelosi's staff. And if Irving's timeline is right, then it was Sund who failed to call uh, to to request to have that request put in right away. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Phone records are phone records, right? And so, and you know, they're they're basically the the authorities have been combing cell phone records from people who breached the Capitol that day. Uh, the the intelligence and the evidence is out there. It's gettable. It's we'll know well who made what calls when. Um, so, and I think the committees will get that information. Um, and in fact, they control the Capitol Police uh, Congress, so they can basically request whatever they want if they do pass it in the form of a resolution uh, and demand that information from the officials that report to them. And uh, the Pentagon also disputes Sun's timeline. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, they essentially say that um, the 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 conference call they all had, um, I, f- I forget now the, the precise order of, of what they disputed, but they, they have no, they don't believe uh, Sun's characterization of the, the foot dragging and the amount of time it took them to respond. So again, it, it really begs for them, to, the Pentagon to appear, which we understand will happen next week, um, and, and answer these specific questions of what are they disputing about what Sund is saying and why did it take as long as it did for them to approve National Guard? Yeah, there's just no clear bad guy yet. <laughs> so... Yeah, they, everybody wants a certain person to be the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and we don't know who actually is at this point, if, if anyone, or if it's all just going to be a big circular, uh, blameless and no accountability situation. Yeah, it's the it's the director's cut of Blade Runner. You don't know who the protagonist is uh, at this point. But um, the next hearing is going to be with the House Appropriations Committee. Who who will testify at that committee hearing? Uh, so that we're going to have the current officials, the acting sergeant at arms who succeeded Paul Irving and the acting uh, Capitol Police chief uh, who succeeded Sun. Uh, they were you know, both there on the 6th as well in different capacities um, and, and can speak to what happened, but also now are you know, have been involved in operational discussions since that day. Uh, and can maybe speak to what do they feel they need appropriations-wise for security going forward? Uh, are there any other security threats they're worried about? And, and what can they tell us about the six that they know that maybe the other officials didn't shed light on? Yeah, and there's a few other investigations going on, too. The Department of Defense Inspector General is looking into the Pentagon's uh, response, is my understanding. Now, uh, I can't remember after the waterfall of Inspector General fire- firings, uh, inspectors general firings from from Trump at the end there. It, it, who it, is the is the inspector general at Department of Defense uh, an okay person? <laughs> I you know I do know that the person who was in that role was removed. Um, that was the person was uh, Glenn Fine was his name. Now I remember the call. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be put in charge of COVID relief. Yeah. Um, and and Trump sort of re reassigned him or or demoted him essentially and and uh chain and shook up i think he put the epa inspector general in there as a dual-hatted official it got very convoluted over there for a while um so i don't remember where that ended up <laughs> but uh yeah that's something that will be fascinating because one of the things hanging over all of this is trump's personnel moves at the pentagon in the last few weeks of his term uh people were very perplexed by why he had what what compelled him to put you know, close allies in acting capacities in these final few weeks. Um, and they were the people in charge of decisions regarding the National Guard that day. 
And so we really are curious about why uh, those people, why, why Trump made those moves when he did, and that the IG may be able to get some answers on that. Yeah, unless the IG was put in there to also <laughs> uh, kind of help out with, uh, you know, sp- speculating that this was a coordinated effort on the on the part of Trump by putting Chris Miller in there. And what was his name? Uh, Ezra? Uh, Cohen Watnick. Oh, Cohen Watnick. And uh, and of course, whoever the the inspector general is after fine was removed. So it'll be interesting to see. I kind of want to wait until we get a Biden inspector general in there. But that's my own personal um, theory on that. But we I mean, there are other ways that this is going to come out. We've got now the Insurrection Commission, um, which is being put together. The legislation is being drafted for that. And then apparently there's uh, also investigations. The Capitol Police are looking into its own officers. What's up with that? Another another missed opportunity here today to drill on drill down on that because the, the Capitol Police themselves, you know, have acknowledged on, you know, on the record that that uh, about three dozen of their officers are being reviewed for their actions on the on January 6th, including, I believe, six who were suspended with pay uh, for con- their conduct on the 6th. We have no more details than that. Um, now, after the in the immediate aftermath of the insurrection, a lot of people showed, pointed to videos of Capitol Police, you know, seeming to be on friendly terms with some of the, the rioters or or seeming to pull back the barricades. Now, I don't. Without context, it's hard to know were those justified actions. Were they trying to keep tensions cool? You know, or were they under orders to sort of lower the temperature? Um, I don't know. And without context, we won't know. But th- this was an opportunity to ask about that, and they didn't. Uh, hopefully, we'll find out more about what those investigations of the officers are. Yeah, and perhaps in the insurrection commission, we'll get to speak and hear testimony from those officers and all you know, all of the uh, incidental people who had roles that day because uh, yeah you're right all we saw was like officers taking selfies with people and and uh but yeah removing the barricades we, we've heard a lot of the police radio chatter saying the line is broken the line is broken right you got to retreat and and look these people were you know they were there was across the radio you heard and you saw the video of the reports of officers being beaten like viciously beaten uh by some of these people in the mob so a lot of these people are scared for their lives if i if i'm in a room with a hundred of these people i don't know if they're if they have violent intent or not, maybe I do act friendly toward them because, you know, that might be your own self-preservation. I don't know. I just don't know. And I don't think anybody truly knows right now. Yeah. And until we hear from them, uh, I think we won't know or unless we get uh, information from those investigations by the Capitol Police Department itself. Uh, all right. Finally, just one last thing. What is up with Ron Johnson? I mean, it's it, it, it's truly off the deep end kind of stuff with him. Um you know, he, he he dabbled in it in some of his investigations when he was in the majority. Um, you know, he's up for re-election in 2022. Um, he, he wants to fashion himself as a close ally of the president. Um, but still, I, you know, other allies of the president haven't taken this path. I mean, Ted Cruz, you know, for whatever, you know, he's never going to have any friends on, on the left, but but called this a terrorist attack on the Capitol. You know, he's not, not underselling what happened. Uh, Ron Johnson seems to be the only one, uh, at least in the Senate, who is treating the insur- treating this insurrection like it's not an insurrection, like it might have just been this, uh, like it might have been a false flag type of event, or at least saying, I'm just asking questions, maybe it's a false flag, who knows, um, and injecting that into the discussion, which, which no one else uh, seemed to do. Yeah, it was jovial. And also at the same time, it was Antifa. I, like, I, I don't, it's, it, it's just odd. And I, you know, I remember him bringing 
debunked Russian disinformation into a committee hearing when he was uh, a, cha- a chair and uh, after being warned not to. Uh, it's just after, I think actually they were warning Ratcliffe uh, not to put that out. But it's it's just it boggles my mind. I don't understand what's going on with him. But uh, Wisconsin's going to be a hard sell uh, after this latest election. Um, it's looking pretty blue up there. Yeah, I mean the, the the knock on or the rap on Wisconsin is always I think it, I think forty seven to forty seven is a guarantee, and then the fight over that last six percent is where the election happens, uh, and that's been true in the last several uh, statewide elections there, and so um, it will always be close. Uh, but Ron Johnson has become more a bit more of a polarizing figure even than he was when he was uh, elected the last two times. Yeah, interesting tack. Well, thank you very much, Congress reporter for Politico. I encourage everyone to read the piece uh, that you have the byline on today. Kyle Cheney, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, Beans listeners. It's AG. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Caliper CBD. Life is full of unexpected twists and turns. Dealing with stress is critical. We know it's important to practice self-care, but taking care of yourself shouldn't add to your stress. And that's why I love CBD. It helps you feel better without having to make drastic changes to your routine. If you have not tried CBD, I highly recommend it. CBD has helped me feel less anxious and more calm. It's helped me sleep easier, and it's even helped me feel less sore after long workouts. My favorite thing about Caliper CBD specifically is they've introduced a better way to consume CBD. It's an easy-to-use powder. So unlike oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless, and it mixes easily in any food or drink. And there's precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD, so you never question how much CBD you're taking. I like to put some in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake. Uh, and and this is what's cool. It's clinically proven you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper CBD powder compared to tinctures. That is so much more. And Caliper gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. That's about twice as fast as CBD oil. And Caliper is completely THC-free, so you get all the benefits of CBD with no intoxicating or mind-altering effects. Caliper is made with all natural non-GMO ingredients. There's no fillers or added chemicals or artificial flavors. So take care of yourself, but make it easy on yourself with Caliper CBD. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. So go to trycaliper.com slash dailybeans and don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow Okay, so we need some good news today, and uh, we got some. So everyone, if you want to submit your good news, pod pet picks, kids, grandkids, happy place, want to tell us about a dumb moment you've had <laughs> or uh, have a dispute settled in Amy's court, you can send everything into us at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Uh, I'll kick us off, Dana. The first uh, submission here is from an anonymous poster, pronouns she and her. Good day, Beans Queens. Good news. Four months ago, we adopted a new puppy, Angus. He was listed as a four-month-old lab mix, good with cats, crate-trained, housebroken, and good with basic commands. At the risk of spoiling the game, I'll just say they were about as right as the other stuff they were about this breed. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we, we had him DNA tested, so we knew for sure what he is. And it's a challenging one. I'm attaching a picture of his DNA results. I know you won't peek. This has been a super fun game, and I appreciate how much work... <laughs> to uh you do to include feel good and non-political stuff to help the news feed be more digestible. oh look at the baby 
Okay, so let's see. Uh, he was listening to his four-month-old lab mix. He said he was wrong with the lab because I was going to say chocolate lab pity. There's some pit bull in the eyes. Oh, what a honey. Oh, goodness. I think the dog's name should be honey. Um, okay, so no child. No American bulldog. Hmm. And pity. I think you're right. I do see pity in the eyes. So I'm going to go with that for sure. I, I'm surprised there's not some chocolate lab in there. Yeah, that chocolate lab with those ears, right? Yeah, and maybe a little shepherd. Well, let's see what we got here. Okay. Siberian husky. What? Chinese Sharpei, Dalmatian, pity, and German short-haired pointer. Siberian Husky. Did you just throw pity in there? I don't see it. Uh, it says a uh, American Staffordshire Terrier. Oh, got it. I think that's a pity, isn't it? Really? A Staffy? Is maybe maybe I'm wrong. Perhaps I'm incorrect. Oh man, let me look that up. See, I'm a Jew, so I didn't recognize the German short-haired pointer. I don't know what they. <laughs> I don't know what they look like. No, American Pitbull Terrier is different from Staffordshire Terrier. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, this is a beautiful dog. I know. I absolutely love this dog. Siberian Husky. That makes total sense. All right. Thank you so yeah. much for this beautiful baby. I'm enjoying this game too. We pretty we kind of suck at it, yeah. but it's been a lot of fun. Although I just found out that a cattle dog is a blue healer. So yes. we were right about that. Now I I will say, looking at this pup, first of all, it looks like the RCA dog. Right? Yeah. Uh, but the way he's sitting gives me the husky vibe. Oh, I can but see that. But that's about it. But yeah, that's about it. That's about it. All right. Next one. This is from Jesse, pronouncing him. I've been practicing calligraphy as a means to mentally unwind during the quarantine. To keep me amused, I write a few of the with swears nicknames and phrases from the Mueller report and the Daily Beans like Dick Dick Toilet Wine, Big Dick Big Toilet Dick. Wine. <laughs> <laughs> Big dick toilet wine and stuff. Uh, I could use a comprehensive list for research, of course. If one exists, let me know on Twitter at Lost Angel, and I'll post it on Facebook group too. If I can see compile, if I can uh, compile something. So we're looking for the swears that they like to do with calligraphy. Uh, first, a duh moment. Awesome. I married a man. <laughs> There's a period after this, so I want you to realize that's how I'm reading it. First, a duh moment. I'm a married man of an age where I get all of AG's 80s references. And I'm learning how to do calligraphy from YouTube. As I'm watching a very talented young lady describe how to archive, achieve, excuse me, achieve, I can't read today, how to achieve a perfect loop at the top of the cursive S, she says, kind of like if you had written a print S, but connected it from below. <laughs> I blinked, looked at what I'd drawn, and had one of those oh my god moments. I'd always thought the cursive S was just a unique cursive shape. And now I'm questioning all the other unique cursive shapes. Like, is a capital G actually a G somehow? <laughs> Here's one of my practice sheets and a photo of our pet, Cobalt, the Frenchie, who is absolutely... I have to say, Frenchies, French Bulldogs are one of the cutest puppies I've ever seen in my life. What a beautiful color, too. Yes. It's fucking, the th okay, this is what the calligraphy says. It's fucking essential. <laughs> Big dick toilet wine. <laughs> Turtle dick Mitch. Fuckstick von clown face. Fuckstick von clown face. <laughs> Too dumb to crime. Yellowcopter. <laughs> yeah. Your calligraphy is very nice, though. It's very beautiful. The thread on Facebook is hilarious, by oh the way. Uh, somebody actually put together a, an amazing spreadsheet of uh beanisms or molarisms I love it. and uh it was just it was so 
it was fantastic to go back and look at all of the nicknames and phrases that we've coined over the years. It was, um, it was interesting and, and fun and it just, it was really cool. Like what a, what a, the body of work. I, I think calligraphy is so pretty too. Yeah, it really is. Really well done too. Yeah. Good job. Next up from Jay, pronouns they and them. Hello, hello, ladies. I've been listening since I heard AG and Jonathan Van Ness on Jonathan Van Ness is Getting Curious. And you and Dana have become my favorite comedians who also talk about the news. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if this counts as good news or a confession, but I wanted to let you know how extremely grateful I am to have found a news source who cares so much about Jews and uh, anti-Semitism. I'm a Jew who moved to the South way too long ago, and it's been a constant struggle to stay connected, even with all my Orthodox family. That's why I was so excited when Dana joined the team. Listening to a queer Jewish woman talk every day really puts my mind at ease. It definitely makes a difference to see someone uh, so much like you in places of high regard and respect. Uh, Ellie Honig is also uh, one of my favorite recurring guests. I get so excited when I see he's going to be on. I always feel like I'm listening to my aunt and uncle talk about <laughs> politics. <laughs> And what made me write in to say thank you was the highlight and serious tone you took handling those extremely anti-Semitic remarks from the Merrick Garland episode. It's so hard for anti-Semitism to be taken seriously, and I feel very seen whenever I listen. I know there is a deeper understanding and care here. Thank you. Attached for the pet tax should be pictures uh, of my six-year-old black cat, Dexter, and my roommate's cat named Mouse. They're cousins in terror. I like how he said, should be. Yeah. <laughs> should be attached pictures. Oh Let's see. Oh, my goodness. They are here. I love when... I oh. don't know. I just have this thing now when people name their cats Mouse. It makes me very happy. Look at that fluffy tail on the stripy one. They're so pretty. That's a pretty pattern on that kitty. Oh my goodness. Jay, thank you for all of the compliments in there, and I'm glad that you feel heard and at home here. I, uh, I do some other podcasts, and every once in a while, the... The host says it, they use the word Jew, the Jews here, and it it, it really gets my heart. And I'm, I've tried to very softly say, please don't do that, because um, you would never walk in and say the blacks here, or the gays here. So um, I'm glad that you feel yeah. heard and seen. Yeah, it, it gets me in my chest, gets me right in my chest. All right. This one's next mine, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah, go for it. This is from Ben. This is from Ben. Pronouns he, him, the wild New York guy. The wild New York right. guy. How you doing, hey, yo. Ben? Hey, yo. I'm walking. Uh, right. Hi. Uh, a quick news story. I've got a fun little update. Think I can keep the accent? I don't think so. Central Park is hosting a new special guest. The first... <laughs> All right. Um, I'll start over. <laughs> the first snowy owl documented yeah, in the park in over in the park 130 years. years. Yeah, well, this may yet be another indication of widespread effects of climate change. Snowy owls uh, are known for their sp sp sporadic, sp what kind of fucking word is sporadic? Sporadic and often chaotic migrations. Okay, that's you enough. Go, I like how you're kind of going in and out of Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh, hey, man. a good news story, a fun little update. Central Park has hooty owls. Ooh, uh, owls. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give Ben some more respect with this and start over. Okay, thank you for entertaining us on that. A good news story. I've got a fun little update. Central Park is hosting a new special. It's on the first snowy owl documented in the park in over 130 years. I love well, this story. Well, this may be yet another indication of the widespread effects of climate change. Snowy owls are known for their sporadic and often chaotic migrations. So this lovely lady, the females, exhibit strong barring in their co co coloration. Excuse me. In their coloration, males are almost solid white. Has been perching and hunting 
in the park for almost four weeks straight. I saw some YouTube videos yeah. of this in Brooklyn. Any, I think, anyway. Others have been taken better quality photos, but I wanted to share what I was able to get myself. If you want to see more, oh. check out our Twitter feed at Wild New York Show. Oh, that's why they look for more familiar. At Wild oh, New yeah. York Show. Yeah, we've talked about, yeah, we've talked about your, your podcast before. <laughs> we love your show. We love your show. Wild New York show. There's an incredible video of her swallowing a rat whole like a freaking baby Yoda. Well, if you're into that. All right. So the political tie-in is that the Trump administration on its way out the door rolled back protections in uh, Migratory Bird Act, which made corporations liable for endangered birds killed by collisions with property and equipment. If you've got friends that are just, quote, aren't into politics, it's a good time to remind them that whatever they are into, even something as seemingly apolitical as bird watching, is directly affected by the role our government does or doesn't play it in. Really good point, by the way. Yeah, I, I always like to change whenever I see the word regulation. I always like to change it with the exchange it with the word protection. Yeah, that's smart. Very smart. I realize why this is familiar because I started following them on Twitter and there were some pictures of this beautiful snowy owl. Okay, not everyone has to make a podcast or YouTube show that investigates the intricacies of political intrigue, but we all must pay closer attention going forward because the last four years were a masterclass in how easy it is to destroy things rather than build them. Your show is a big part of that consciousness raising, and we thank you. Stay wild. Yes, I had seen these pictures because I was so, I was, I just love the idea of their show. It was so brilliant. Basically, same, same. And, and so when, when he introduced himself as wild New York guy, I was thinking wild and crazy guys. I forgot that <laughs> yes. about the wild New York show. I've Love it so much. So it's a couple, in, in if I'm remembering correctly, a couple Broadway performers that obviously Broadway's gone dark, and they're either Broadway or off-Broadway, but they are in the arts, and they went dark. And during that time, they were like, well, let's do a YouTube channel. And they started following all of these random animals and species in New York, and it's really cool. So that's that's just a revisit to them. Yeah. So this these are beautiful shots, too. Beautiful. Ben. Beautiful. And if you get a chance, everybody, you have to check out at Wild New York Show. It's really, um, really great. It's so fun. And yeah, I, I now I'm recognizing these pictures too. So beautiful. Thank you. Next up from Hana, like Hanukkah, pronouns she and her. Hello, lovely beans queens. I was originally writing in to share. My dad got his first shot of the vaccine last week. He's 66 and still recovering from cancer treatment. We live together and I've spent most of the last year terrified I might bring COVID home and kill him. No longer. Gosh, what a relief. Even more good news, when I went with him to get his shot, I got in on the in-case-of-cancellation list, not really expecting to hear anything because I'm 36 and I'm relatively good health, in relatively good health. Well, they called me at 6.18 last night and said if I could make it by 6.45, they had a dose for me. I was about 30 minutes away, so needless to say, I broke more than a few traffic laws to get <laughs> there in time. I highly suggest everyone reach out to their local health systems to see if they're doing something similar. It's not jumping the line. It's not taking a dose from someone else. It's keeping these much-needed vaccines from going to waste. I don't have any pets, so for Podtax, here's one friend's very vicious rescue pibble, Huxley, and another friend's adorable rescue terrier, Samwise Pibble. Oh, yeah. Vicious. Aww. Look at vicious. He's that. There's a vicious dog. <laughs> Look at his little eyebrows. Oh, Aww. my goodness. And the Santa sweater. Oh, and I love the, I love the, the terrier dressed as a 
mail it's delivery person. Samwise, yes. Oh my good. That's fantastic. I love these pop hits. Thank you so much for that. And I'm glad you got your first shot. I was telling AG, and I'll just make a, a confession, and this is sort of a public service announcement to anyone listening. So in LA, if you're listening in LA and someone texts you and says, hey, here's a code. They opened a new site. And they're giving this to people so that they can test out the kinks and make sure there's no problems before they enter it to the gen pop. Do not take the appointment. You can get an appointment with this code, but they are taking, unfortunately, these codes that are for underserved areas and farmers, teachers, as well as the black and brown communities. Um, someone is getting these codes out and they're being taken by more white, affluent, rich communities. And one of them came across my phone. And so, of course, I was like, oh, my God, I would love to get my vaccine and made an appointment. And the moment I found out that what had happened, I canceled it. Um, and it's just the same thing. If, if you get extra, take extra. But if do not jump the line, it's just not worth it. Karma is a, not a good friend with those things. And so just it'll happen. Everyone stay patient. Um, but if you do get one of those codes, there's no code for people to test a new site that has been taken from an underserved community. So please heed my warning with that. Yeah. Yeah, but d- definitely reach out to your local clinics yes. and and pharmacies to see if they have a you know you can get on a list for doses that would be thrown away otherwise. Yeah, there's even one of these in East in East uh, LA where um, it's a clinic and they don't have a refrigerator, so they vaccinate everyone um, over 65 all day, and then the line outside, which has gotten into the hundreds, unfortunately, and people camping out all night, they will start vaccinating people in that line because they don't have a refrigerator to keep the vaccines overnight. So definitely check in with your local health centers and see if they're doing that because you can if you want to camp out and stay in line. Um, Otherwise, just stay safe, social distance, keep your mask on and, and we'll make it through. So... All right. This next one is from Nicole. Thank you for listening to our public service announcement, by the way. Um, this <laughs> next one's from Nicole Pranon, she and her. Good news. It's my birthday and I'm finally able to wash clothes again. I live in Texas. My wife, two-year-old, and I survived the snowstorm from last week. We lost power at 4 a.m. on a Monday the 15th. We decided to stay the night in our house, not knowing we wouldn't get power back until mid-Wednesday the 17th. Thankfully, my dad got us on Tuesday. He lives by a hospital and never lost power. When he came to get us, our house was already at 42 degrees Fahrenheit. Ugh. My family and I are some of the lucky ones with no busted water pipes. Attaches a picture of my happy place when we lost our power. Us in bed with two layers of clothing, four blankets, two pups to keep us warm. Also included is my pet tax, a picture of my little one with her pupper's ruby, black and oliver is the white one oh my goodness look at that little angel it's so so oh and then the dogs look at the look on that one dog's face i do love that her wife does not look like she wants to be in this picture although she's just probably staying very very warm yeah i think this is a warmth a warmth shot Oh, the babies. I'm so glad you all are okay. I'm so glad your pipes did not burst and just glad you're safe. I hope all of the listeners in Texas uh, are doing well um, and you've got water running and I know it was, it's been hell and you've got a lot to deal with, uh, with damage rebuilding and control, but we are thinking about you and please, if you need anything, reach out to the the beans community. Yeah. And happy birthday as well, Nicole. Yes. My gosh, um, it's just that's just so terrifying. You know, I think the longest we've gone without power here was that massive San Diego outage we had, and it it lasted overnight. Yeah. Um, and it's also not 
zero degrees outside, you know? Um, So we were just basically without power. Yeah, I had another friend in Austin uh, who had lucky enough to have a place to go, but when he got back to his house, his house inside was 32 degrees. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't, I can't even imagine. I just can't imagine. And then we got Mm -mm. Ted Cruz and Governor Abbott and a couple other lawmakers just bailing, just bailing. They're such SOBs. I hope they get what's coming to them. Ted Cruz has a long list of karma behind him and I hope it all catches up. Yeah, I know. I hope he gets it in this lifetime. Like if we're reincarnated beings, I hope it all happens this time. 100%. (laughs) Because I need to stick around and see it. Oh my God. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much again. You could submit your good news stories and anything else that you want to let us know about. Uh, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here other than um, everybody, you know, download that stereo app and, and join the after party on, on Thursday. It's so much fun. It's a five Pacific. It's really it's a free app. It, I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And for, for some reason, you all are on Instagram. I know AG and I are both there. We'd love to have you there, too. My Instagram handle is DG Comedy. And AG, what's yours on Instagram? I think ours is uh, at Muller She Wrote. Great. And then I also have an at the Allison Gill, maybe? Or, yeah, something, some other Allison Gill. Sometimes I post pictures of myself in a bikini, and sometimes I don't. So, hey, you'll just have to go find out. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're going to wear to the no pants party that's Thursday, right. that's it. Pacific too bad it's just on the radio <laughs> alright everybody thanks so much until tomorrow please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of your mental health and take care of the planet I've been AG and I've been DG and them's the beans The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. And uh, we're here doing our live after party. Daily Beans after party is what they're they're calling it, what the kids are calling it these days. It reminds me of I just watched (laughs) the 30 Rock episode where Liz Lemon was like, uh, out with the Tracy Jordan and he's like are you going to the after 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 party and they end up like on somebody's roof <laughs> um, but yeah just finished watching that vote the vote to oust Marjorie Taylor Green from Woo-hoo! her two committees uh, I, I think I was incorrect I think the last time we were here live I said that she was only I thought she was only on one committee she was on two committees she yeah. was on education and labor and also on the budget committee like education what? education she's on the committee of edu she was was because she got voted off of education yeah, and 11 Republicans voted alongside Democrats to oust her from these seats. Uh, so we're going to see how the backlash of that plays out, because as you know, McCarthy was like, well, what about Maxine Waters, and what about so-and-so, and they get to keep their committee seats, like they committed, like they wanted other people to be executed, or believed that 9-11 was not real, or what? like, come exactly. on, like, stop. 
Stereo is the app for live social conversations. We want to talk directly with you, the listeners. Ask us questions about news, politics, anything. And you can share your experiences and opinions, and we want to hear it all. So download the new app called Stereo and join us live this week, Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific. Link to our show in the description and join us over on the Stereo app.